Nobody's heart is really good for much until it has been smashed to little bits. So said poet Elizabeth Bishop, who knew more than most people about having her heart broken and perhaps smashing a few others herself. Elizabeth Bishop, American Poet Laureate and a Pulitzer Prize winner, was born in Worcester, Massachusetts in February 1911. Because of her mother's struggles with mental illness after the death of Elizabeth's father, she was effectively orphaned at the age of five. She spent her early childhood in Nova Scotia, Canada with her maternal grandparents, later being taken in by her much wealthier paternal grandparents in Worcester, and finally by an aunt on her mother's side, also in Massachusetts. Eventually, her father's family paid for her to attend a boarding school. Bishop suffered from asthma and other ailments as a child, and throughout her life had troubles with her health. Her childhood was marked by loneliness, sickness, and cruelty. Life only truly began for her after she was able to escape her troubled family. After boarding school, she went on to attend Vassar College, where she formed lifelong friendships. L'amour est un oiseau rebelle. Yes, love is a bird. <laughs> love is love is a boy, love is a rebellious boy, a gypsy boy. Love is uh, what is love? Love is uh, difficult love is overwhelming love is a, a all encompassing burning um then drowning in it oh dear oh oh gosh um <laughs> oh how does it go uh the boy stood on the burning deck, whence all but he had fled. The flame that lit the battle's wreck shone round him all the dead. Yet beautiful and bright he stood, as born to rule the storm, a creature of heroic blood, a proud, though childlike form. The flames rolled on, he would not go without his father's word. That father, faint in death below. That's it. Yeah. The boy stood on the burning deck. Love. The boy stood on the burning deck Trying to recite The boy stood on the burning deck Loves the sun Stood stammering elocution While the poor ship in flames went down loves the obstinate boy the ship even the swimming sailors 
Who would like a schoolroom platform too? Or an excuse to stay on deck? Loves the burning boy. That could have been me. That stammering child stood on the burning deck or going down with the ship or burning up with it. Like I said to uh, my friend Cal, I was the loneliest person that ever lived. Well, by the time I was five, for all intents and purposes, I was an orphan. Though, okay, technically my mother was still alive, but she was no longer my mother. In those days, they would have called it a nervous breakdown, if that's what they spoke of it at all. The point being, I never saw her again. And obviously, it must have affected me, because I remember when I started primary school, I used to make my grandmother promise me not to die before I came home. My father's parents... Uh, took over for a while, but I think they may have had more affection for their Boston Bull Terrier. And in the end, I went to live with Auntie Maud and Uncle George. But the less said about him, the better. My father's family, at least, had the decency to provide me with enough money for good schools. I met my dear friend Franey at boarding school and later we both got into Vasa. Oh, what a mess. Yeah, here it is. I have a letter uh, just before graduation to Franey Blau, June the 4th, 1934. Haley's parents objected to the trip. And as I am very eager to work anyway, I guess I shall be in New York all summer, except for a couple of trips to Cuttyhunk, where I, when I leave here, sorry, when I leave here, I think I'll go and stay at the Brevort. Now, that was a, a Fifth Avenue hotel in Greenwich Village. Uh, I'll stay there until I have found an apartment. I see that rooms there are very cheap and I rather like it. So after the 11th, it's 11th of June, our graduation day, why, if you want to, address me there. Uh, I guess I should tell you that mother died a week ago today. After 18 years, of course, it is the happiest thing that could have happened. Hmm. I remember it was around this time that I met Marion Moore. She was the one who persuaded me that I was uh, a poet. Oh, I'd been tempted by music composition and I'd even been applying to medical schools. And she also helped me to get published. It meant so much to me 
that a poet of Miss Moore's stature should take an interest in my work. <laughs> I learned so much from her and we stayed in touch for the rest of her life. Although <laughs> it did take me four years to work up the courage to call her Marianne instead of Miss Moore. And here uh, to Marianne Moore September the 11th 1940 thank you again Marianne for all the first part of the first letter it seems to me that I make such demands on your thought and time and almost never give anything in return I scarcely know why I persist at all it is really fantastic to place so much on the fact that I have written a half dozen phrases that I can still bear to reread without too much embarrassment. That I have that continuous, uncomfortable feeling of things in my head, like icebergs or rocks or awkwardly placed pieces of furniture. It's as if all the nouns are there, but the verbs were lacking, if you know what I mean. And I can't help having the theory that if they are joggled around hard enough and long enough, some kind of electricity will occur, just by friction, that will arrange everything. But you remember how Melame said that Poetry was made of words, not ideas. And sometimes I'm terribly afraid I am approaching or trying to approach it all from the wrong track. In case you're thinking that I'm being too modest, here's an example of my very early work. I think I may have written this while I was still in college. Lives of great men will remind us we can mould life as we choose and departing leave behind us towels, safety pins and shoes. I am forever losing things. I'm really rather good at it. Throughout her adult life, Bishop travelled most famously living for 15 years on and off in Brazil after falling in love with the architect Lota de Macedo Soares. Her travels could be seen as an eternal search for home, the home lost after the death of her father and institutionalization of her mother, lost with being sent away to boarding school, and, tragically, lost with Lota's suicide, after which their friends in Brazil took against her. Despite her numerous awards, the National Book Award and many others besides the Pulitzer, Bishop did not enjoy the same fame or notoriety of many of her contemporaries, such as Dylan Thomas, Sylvia Plath, Ted Hughes, or Robert Lowell. Her poetry was seen by many as a bit old-fashioned, her hesitancy to exploit her private life a bit prudish. Even so, her reputation and popularity built throughout her life and continues to grow long after her death. 
Toward the end of her life, she was in demand as a professor of poetry at many prestigious universities. Many of her honours were awarded in the last decade of her life, or even posthumously. She was inducted into the New York Writers' Hall of Fame only in 2010. Perhaps because she resisted the fashionable trend of trashing your ex-lovers in public through your poems, her work remains timeless and universal. In leaving out the specific people and events that may have inspired the works, or in only alluding to them, she gives room to the reader to place themselves into the centre of the story. Read her famous villanelle, One Art, and think of your own misplaced keys, discarded heirlooms, lost opportunities, and bereavements. We fill in the cities, rivers, and continents for ourselves, even while knowing Bishop's life story and assuming we know what and whom she was referring to. This allows each of us, even those of us not born into a waspy family or brought up in New England or left a generous trust fund, to see our own struggles, losses, and insecurities in Bishop's life, in her poems, in her story. In spite of all her material privileges, she found herself as the eternal outsider, an only child, orphaned, sickly, shy, gay, and lonely. <laughs>